Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Word Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. In this episode, we'll talk about what to do in the moment when faced with a difficult situation at work. And I know the best person to give this advice. Today, I am joined by my friend, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Joy. How are you? You know, another day, another dollar. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that. Does that tell you what you need to know? (laughs) Same-ish, different day. Yes. So start off, let's just tell our audience a little bit about you to start. Yes. So my name is Jackie Ivey and I'm a managing director at a workforce development nonprofit and we train adult workers to take on jobs in the tech field. But prior to that, I was in the nonprofit industry for off and on for about 10 years and also did some corporate HR. So super excited to chat with you all today. Yeah, y'all, she's done everything. And I have been lucky enough to work with her and the best thing that as a coworker that she was able to provide was like amazing advice. And it was like she wouldn't even be thinking that hard. It would just roll off the tongue and every experience that she had and all her knowledge would just be like in that one comment, in that piece of advice. And it was so valuable for me. So I'm so happy she agreed to be on the show to share with y'all some of her gems. So Jackie, so Throughout the season, we've heard a lot of different stories, all these different women who have come on here and talked about what um, discrimination looks like for them in the workplace. And we've also focused on kind of the preparation needed to combat those things. But what do you do in the moment? Can you, we just need your help in (laughs) figuring out, okay, something just happened. You're sitting here in the moment. You might be on camera if you work remotely, or you might be face-to-face with (laughs) your manager, coworker, whoever is doing the thing that's pissing you off. So I thought the best way for you to share with us this advice would be to give you some scenarios. How about that? Sounds great. Scenario number one. So you've addressed with leadership the need to have a more diverse staff. You've been assured that your concerns have been heard. And leadership also says that they, too, want a diverse staff. 
So a new position finally is vacant and the resumes have been narrowed down and you're able to see the final five candidates and they are all white. What do we do? Mm. <laughs> yes. So welcome to the world of work. Uh, this happens quite a bit. I would imagine that several people have been in this same scenario and I too have experienced that. So in the event that this happens, the first thing I like to do is to tie it back to what are our organizational goals? What is our vision and our mission and our purpose? So when I'm having conversations with executive leadership around why we weren't able to find a diverse set of uh, talent or candidates, I first ask, one, what outlets did you use in order to recruit said candidates? So is it using platforms that are traditionally not used by people of color? If you're trying to find folks that are not degreed, um, are we going to non-traditional sites to source that talent? What partnerships have you created in order to find a diverse pool of talent? That means partnering with other recruit, like diversity recruitment firms. That's finding CBOs or community-based organizations that train talent and specifically center communities of color. That's a combination of going to diversity job boards and posting. So it's asking the question around what efforts did we put in to source for diverse talent? It's also a conversation around getting clarity on what did you put in the job description that may, you know, discourage a person of color to apply? We know that degree inflation is a is an issue. So if this job doesn't require a degree, then why is that particularly listed into the job description itself? And then also asking conversations around what parameters did you set in place to say yes or no to a resume or to a cover letter. So this could be really understanding, you know, because we all have biases, but really the folks who are doing the first screen on those applications, whether it's an ATS system or an automatic, an applicant tracking system, or it's a human on that end doing the first scan and review of those resumes to really get a sense of what were you looking for that said yes to this candidate and no to it to another. Right, right. And yeah, so this seems very like you're asking a bunch of questions. It feels like an investigation. Exactly. And the reason you want to do that is because you really want to understand, because again, there's intent and then there's impact. And so it could be that the folks who were doing the hiring on behalf of the organization, their intention was to find a diverse talent pool, but how they either set filters on that applicant tracking system or how they personally view resumes could be biased. And then we're screening out diverse candidates and screening in those who are more are more like us. And so especially if you have uh, a white HR manager or you're using um, certain tools and technologies that have a bias against people of color, it is quite easy for you to screen out potential candidates of color and you think that you're doing the right thing by pulling in the best candidates when some of those screening filters actually screen out folks who diverse candidates who would be a great fit. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm reading this prompt, <laughs> you know me, I operate from a lot of emotion, just my background, who I am by birth. I'm an Aquarius. Take what you want from that. And just being like a feeler and somebody who needs to process everything. So <laughs> my first thought reading this is, okay, so you actually gave me five resumes of white people even after we had this conversation. So this says clearly to me that you want me to know that what we talked about doesn't matter anymore and you're going to do what you want to do. Is that logical? Oh, yeah. Is that logical? <laughs> <laughs> it is logical, but I would also 
you know, and this is the really hard part, right? Because if you're seeing this in real time, and let's say that you're on a Zoom with your management team and they're like, okay, Joy, here are all of the resumes of the top five candidates. And you know that they are all white candidates. It requires you to take that pregnant pause of like, okay, I'm on Zoom. They're watching my reaction. And a part of this is just like some of the, the reality is like, we are not allowed or we don't, we are not, we're not given the leverage to actually feel our full emotions when we're at work, mm-hmm. especially when you're a black woman. And so we always have to be polished and presented when we're faced with these issues. Otherwise we get labeled as problematic and then other issues can occur. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're faced with something like this, do the whole pregnant pause. And that is very much a take a moment to breathe scan the situation. And so in in those moments, like when I was faced with all of these candidates who were not diverse, you know, I take that pregnant pause. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, let me practice having courageous conversations. And then I ask those questions of my leadership to make sure that we were on the same page. Now, you can't manage their reaction to your questions, but it's really important for us, especially as like women of color in the workplace, when we are always having to do the work to then speak up about things that are not fair in the workplace, we still have to present professionally because again, it comes back. There's a potential for it to come back and harm us. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, It is so hard. That is really hard not to feel Like you deserve to have your reactions and emotions to things, especially when you feel like you're being targeted or someone's trying to send you a message. Okay, Jackie, I guess we'll do that. Fine. (laughs) Okay, let's go to scenario number two now. So you've been assigned another cumbersome project that doesn't fall into your job description. In fact, it actually falls into another person's title, but you're told that they're too busy to do it. You are boiling. You're so upset. This is happening to you again. And none of your white or male coworkers are being asked to cover this other person's work, especially this often. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. That laugh. Yes, I felt that and I have been there. And to be honest, my very first time that that happened to me, I did not handle it well. So (laughs) I'm going to give you advice on how to handle this as professionally as possible. Whenever you encounter situations like this, we first have to assess the situation. Specifically, what is the task that they are being, that they're putting on you that is clearly your coworker's responsibility? The second piece is to figure out if you do this task, how does that help drive your work forward and how does it help you build skills for your resume? If it doesn't do those things, then you have to ask yourself, okay, if I'm being assigned this task, at what point can I be a good team player and take on this task? And at what point do I need to speak up to management? Because if this is constantly happening, then clearly it is a theme, right? And we know it. So when it's time for you to have this conversation with your manager, you have to be, again, practice this courageous conversation and say, I, you know, the assignment, I'm more than happy to jump in and be a team player and take on and take on work where there is need. However, I just want to be clear around my expectations and that if you are assigning me to take on this task, here are the other things on my plate that will no longer get done because I have to then pivot to take on this piece of the workload. And I would love to get your thoughts as a manager on what I should prioritize. So I like to kick it back on the manager so that they can then say, okay, so if I'm giving you this assignment and all of these other pieces have to drop, then I'm okay with that. But again, flip it back to your manager to say, these are the priorities. If I take on this task, 
all of these other balls will drop. I would love to hear your thoughts on how I should prioritize this work. Mm -hmm. That's more of the professional way to do it so that, again, your manager is saying like, okay, I'll help you reshuffle and reprioritize. Now, we have all come into this situation where your manager is like, yeah, just get it done anyway, right? I was like, I and just told you I couldn't. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a really that's a really uncomfortable space because we also have to acknowledge the power dynamics of you may not feel comfortable having this conversation with someone who reports to you because they sign your paycheck and they have the ability to really dictate how you navigate and and, and persist at this organization. And so if you are comfortable and you know that there was a pattern and you can demonstrate that it was a pattern of you being assigned additional work and none of your colleagues are, this is where I would suggest having a skip manager conversation. Now, so this means instead of having, instead of taking this up with your direct manager, it is having a conversation with the manager that your manager reports to or to talk to HR. Now, I say this with caution because, again, it may not you may not feel comfortable going to HR about this or even talking to your manager's boss about this. So another angle you can play it is going to them and asking for their advice. It's like, hi, I manager of my manager. <laughs> I would could really use your thought partnership on this. There have been several occurrences and we have to be specific with these times. It's there have been five or six times where I've been assigned additional work that is clearly another coworker of mine. And I would love to get your thoughts and your feedback on how, how to best navigate this situation because I would love to feel empowered to have this conversation with my manager. But I would love to hear like your suggestions so that I can go back and have that conversation. So again, not easy to do. It's not comfortable. But what this puts in place for you is that you still have to maintain that you are a team player and that you are trying to resolve the situation. But then you're also getting it on the table to not just your direct manager, but the manager above you, that you're doing work that is outside of your job description and the scope of your work. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is this is good. Like this clear communication. I kind of like that sneaky idea, though. I think it's sneaky, Jackie, to be like, it manager is. of my it manager, is. I just need to know yeah. the best ways to navigate this. Please help. <laughs> like, I love that. And it's totally something I would do if I needed to. And I've had to do that a lot in, in previous roles. And it's exhausting. So I just want to put that out there, too. It's like you have it's exhausting to play the game. Mm -hmm. Right. But that is just the nature of being in the workplace. And you have to be able to navigate the systems in which you're in and the cards that you're dealt. Yeah. And, right, like knowing that this could come back to you in a way mm -hmm. that you don't want. So you open the door. It might pay off. There's a good chance you'll get a great piece, great piece of advice from that leader, and then you'll be able to better navigate that situation. But it's also maybe 50-50 that someone's going to go tell your manager that you stepped in that office to have that conversation. I guess you have to be ready for that, right? Absolutely. So again, if you can talk to your manager directly first about that, and then if they do nothing for you, then you escalate it mm -hmm. up to their manager or over to HR. And then, of course, I am pro documentation. I believe you should document every single conversation, every effort that you have made to make sure that workload is evenly and equitably distributed amongst all of your colleagues and that that additional burden isn't being placed on you. And then there's another strategy you can also use with your manager as well. So if you know that you've been constantly be given additional work, then you could flip the conversation and go to your boss and say, you know, I've been here for X amount of time. 
I've been taking on a lot of responsibilities that are outside of my current scope of work. I would love to have a conversation around how do I advance in this company or really have a conversation around adjusting my job Mm -hmm. description to take on these additional responsibilities. And with that, expect a title change and a pay bump because you're taking on additional work. Yes. Title change and a pay bump because we are not. Yes. We are not going to continue to consistently take on additional work that's outside of our purview and not be compensated for it. Right. And so often that's what it's about. It's we're professionals. We want to make our way up the ladder. We want to, we have goals and dreams and it's not like we're not willing to take on more work. I just want to take on the fair amount for my title and what I'm getting paid to do, especially in comparison to other people who might have the same title and same responsibilities. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's not too much to ask. Dang. Right. Like, can we just get, it's not anyway. (laughs) Off of that. (laughs) I'll move off of that. All right. I'm going to give you one more scenario. So your manager pulls you into this like last minute little meeting and wants to discuss your decorum at work. He cites a lack of visible excitement about a new project and also cites that you suggested a huge cultural shift for the workplace in front of everyone at a company wide meeting and felt that you were short and your on one of your responses via messenger when he asked you to sit in on a meeting you don't usually attend. You have so many thoughts. You don't know where um, you should start or if you should even say anything. What would you do? Mm, Yes. (laughs) I've also had this happen to me. And I know plenty of my friends who have experienced the same thing as well. Mm -hmm. So my first piece of advice is if they're pulling you into a last minute meeting and they say like, hey, you know, we want to talk to you about basically your attitude and how you present, whether it's in person or online and their perceptions of you. Mm I would first, and this is, and this may be a little bit difficult for some people to do, but my suggestion is to say, I appreciate that feedback and I would love to take a moment to circle back with you once I'm ready to have this conversation. Oh, okay. Now, okay. yes. So this is, it's not traditional advice. And the reason I say that is that's a very like volatile and explosive situation that you were put in. And you deserve every right to process that information that they gave you and then to deliver a response when you are ready. And so in that moment, I would ask to step away from the conversation so that you can collect your thoughts and then schedule a follow up conversation with them. Now, not every boss or manager is open to doing that. So in that moment, if you are doing this virtually At that moment, you could say, I just need to take a moment to um, take in that feedback. And then you can turn off that camera, turn off your (laughs) turn off your microphone Mm -hmm. and you can feel the feels for a minute. Keep them waiting because what they did to you was basically an attack. So let's be upfront about that. Once you're able to collect yourself and you can have this conversation, you want them to give you specific examples around your behavior. Okay, Mm -hmm. so if they say like you are not being professional in an email, you could say I would love to um, unpack some of the some of the some of the information that you shared with me today. You were saying that I wasn't particularly professional on an email or in a meeting. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And then, you know, so force them to give the to give you exact examples around how your behavior is an issue. Another piece I would say is. When you are having these conversations with your manager and it feels like it's out of the blue, 
I would then ask like real time feedback. So if this if you think that you're doing a great job at your job and then all of a sudden you get pulled into this meeting and they tell you that you're failing and that your attitude is this and that, then you put you put it back on your manager to say, like, I would love to grow and evolve in this position. And I would have this, this feedback would have been beneficial exactly when the moment happened. Because oftentimes managers are afraid to to give feedback in the moment and then they internalize all of these issues and they make up the story and this narrative about who you are as a person and how you perform. And then it just word vomits out of a random conversation one day and it blows you away because you think that your performance is on point and that you're doing everything right. And then now you hear this and you're like, why didn't you give me this feedback to begin with? Right. I know when I got a performance review and or uh, I would say I'm using air quotes as I talk on a podcast, <laughs> but uh, when I got a random review out of nowhere, right, I really had to take that moment to, to tell my boss, you know, let me take a moment to digest this because I really want to have a thoughtful conversation around this. Mm-hmm. And then I ended the meeting and then I scheduled it for a few days later so that I could gather my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so I highly suggest that people do that. And I know, again, when someone in a position of power is are having these conversations with you, you may not feel empowered to do that, but it's within every right. So if you feel like you are not your best self in that moment, especially because this is coming out of the blue, you have every right to end that conversation and then to schedule a follow up and do it on a time that is best for you. Another piece I would also consider is go to HR. Like, Back when I was in my HR world, people would come to me all the time when they were having issues with your ma- with their manager. And so if you feel that conversation fell out of the blue, it was out of nowhere and you felt attacked, this is a great time to really pull HR in to have a conversation around, again, how do I personally navigate this challenge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're really there to help you. Well, okay. But then we also hear that HR is there to protect the company. Yes. So <laughs> also true. <laughs> how do we know when they're trying to help <laughs> us and when they're trying to make a, something go away? That's a great question. And it's also tricky to navigate, right? You can say this is a little bit controversial and I know some people may disagree with me. Mm-hmm. So in these moments, you can say that this feedback, this conversation and how it happened, I felt attacked and unsafe in that moment, meaning psychologically unsafe, not physically unsafe if you're doing this virtually. Mm -hmm. But if you feel that came out of left field and that there was any type of discrimination attached to that conversation, then you can take it to HR and then they will need to investigate it. Ooh, an investigation. So you can do that. It's again, it's controversial. And I know a lot of people would not want to to go down that route. Mm. But if you genuinely believe that feedback wasn't valid, especially if they're if they're either singing your praises on one Zoom meeting or they didn't give you feedback at all, mm. they never gave you the opportunity to be great at your job. And you deserve every right to one, protect yourself. And so have that conversation with HR. Yeah. And it it's another way to put something on record, right? Like Pulling in someone else whose job is to navigate these things marks what's happening in a way that's even more official than your own little notes in your notebook. So you guys have to pick if that is right for you. Uh, Wow, this is just such a hard topic. I just feel like I want to turn my camera off all the time and punch the air. And I'm a pacer, too. So it's like involving a lot of pacing and then it gets hot and then. It just takes a while. And like you said, some people want to have that conversation right then. 
And if they give you a moment, it might only be a minute and you're going to have to be able to pull it together. So it really feels like an art form to be able to keep yourself cool and collected and fix your face, like really get your eyebrows (laughs) sitting right, like no wrinkles, maybe like a little smile, perhaps. I don't know how people do that. But I really encourage people to really take ownership. So you do not have to have that meeting. Again, if you feel like my emotions, I'm about to explode because we all have those moments. And that's why I had to tell my own manager, I would like to take a few moments to step away to really process this Mm -hmm. so that I didn't blow up because I still I need to eat. I need need this whole job. I need every ounce of this paycheck. And I knew in that moment, if I reacted, then the conversation then turns into my behavior in this Mm -hmm. moment. And it validates any of the claims that they made against me, whether we know it to be true or not. And so that's the reason I'm like, take the pause, jump off the conversation, then call up one of your homegirls, y'all scream, y'all fight, y'all cuss, you do what you need to do to get those feelings out. And then we center ourselves, we come back into that conversation and we act even killed and we make sure that we get the clarity on that, on all the pieces that they called out. Yeah. And like... You have every right to feel what you're feeling. Like, however it comes Mm -hmm. up, that is your right. It is a situation that is happening to you and only you. It is for you to process. And and it's not your fault. But the one thing we do have control over, because we don't have control over that coworker or manager or even the situation a lot of the times, but we do have control over our behavior. And we're all adults at the end of the day, (laughs) even if we don't want to be sometimes. And we have to learn what we need to control that. Um, some people might be, I saw an article about women crying in the workplace. So some people might be like criers. Other people might just have the messed up facial expressions. Other people might be so moved that they just need to say everything that's coming to mind and be 100% honest, which isn't, which is truthful, but not necessarily strategic. And you're telling us how to be strategic. Mm-hmm. Can you, do you have any brief story or anything you else you would like to share with us about times that you've been tested? We just want to learn from your experiences. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so many to choose from. You know, most recently I was in this conversation where, actually, I can't share that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I can't share that. Hold on. I will say one of the, one of the more, in my, in my previous role, one of the issues I kept running into is the fact that I had to do more work than my colleague who had the same title as me. Mm -hmm. And this was something I constantly ran into. And I was vocal about like the distribution of workload and asking to balance and reprioritize my schedule. And then my manager at the time flipped it back on me and said it was poor time management. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not necessarily, oh, it's not the fact that you're doing three people's jobs. It's your poor time management. And I'm like, okay, I know that to not be the case. And so then a part of me was being super petty. So then I <laughs> I printed out a copy of my schedule and showed all of the meetings that I was required to be on and then mapped it to all of the grant work that was tied under my particular vertical. And then I also did a time audit of all of the time I spent taking on other people's responsibilities. And then I shared that information with my manager. And then I was able to get stuff off of my plate and readjust it. Mm -hmm. And so it's frustrating because I shouldn't have to jump through all those hoops in order to get something off my plate when my colleagues, all they had to do was cry and it would be taken off their plate. 
So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, it happened quite a bit. This goes back to this, the stereotypes, right? Like Black women, Latinas, Asians, oh, such hard workers. They could handle it. And because we already feel that pressure at work to perform better than everyone around us, a lot of times we do that stuff. We feel like we have to do it. And so that sets a precedence and actually a lot of times can disrupt our own boundaries about our workloads because we're trying to look good. We're trying to look, I'm a team player. Look, I can, I did this over the weekend. How cool am I? <laughs> and then it actually yeah. can come back to hurt us. But I mean, either way, it's their assumptions and their stereotypes put on us that I can handle it. But, you know, Allison over here can't handle it. What? Who told yeah. you that? When did we decide this? When did we vote? <laughs> on okay, because I missed the vote on that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's sum this all up. We get, we talked about three very specific scenarios, but can you give us just three general tips and handling ourselves at work that could probably be applied to any situation? The first thing is whatever you are hit with at any given time, you do not owe anyone a direct response right away. So take that pregnant pause. If you are facing something that requires you to speak up to management, be open to having those courageous conversations and speaking your truth, but always tie it back to your organization or your company's missions and your goals and your job description. Because the the reason for you to do that is to make sure that you're tying it back to the work and not to the person, even though some of the feedback that you may receive is directly tied to who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and not necessarily your performance. The third thing is Feel, again, feel comfortable with having these uncomfortable conversations and advocate for your space and to do things in your own time. Even though someone is in a position of power, meaning that you report to them, you still need to take ownership over the role that you play Mm -hmm. and you are able to pause the situation and come back to it and address it when you are ready. Yes. The pregnant pause, which... I always thought it was just maternity leave, but apparently it requires me to do some work. Fine. <laughs> okay. Always. And, and I know it's frustrating because it's like, ugh, the onus and the work is always on us. Right. But <sighs> we also have more power and control over the situation than we like to believe. Mm-hmm. However, when you are a person of color in the workplace, everything is always signaled that you are less than, that you need to work more just to get the same or less than other people. And it's just over time, it gets embedded into our heads that like, oh, I'm not allowed to speak up. I'm not allowed to feel all these things. And I think there's just a lot of power in taking and owning the space that we're in and setting terms on your on your on your own. We can't control a lot about our work environments, but we can control how we handle hard situations. So next time you're in one of these scenarios, practice what you've learned. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and letting us know what you think about each episode. You can find us at the handle W-E-R-K stories. Have a great week.